You brought up Brandy earlier, and like not Brandy, but like Monica's just one of them days is like in my head. Just one of them. I had the biggest crush on Monica. Did you really? I had the hugest crush on Monica because she was like 14 when I was like eight. So I was just like, oh, she's she's for me. I was was the black Lizzie McGuire. Oh, she was. She was. See, no, I see. You know what? I took that back. I think Brandy was the black Lizzie McGuire. Because Brandy had the show, she had the soundtrack, she did a little bit more of like the boys thing. I was she did way, do a lot of acting things too. Yeah, yeah, I was way way more of a Brandy stand, uh, which is why the boy is mine. It was just like, uh, it was everything. Well, again, me being more of a Monica person, I can. You know how stupid like my little Monica crush was. <laughs> Whenever they used to play her song, I think it was um, "That's Why I Love You So Much." Um, whenever you used to play it at the black skating rink, I used to do <laughs> extra little like uh, there was like a, a little circle area, and I used to do like a little extra one. I was like, "This one's for you, girl." And then I, would, <laughs> <laughs> I would go skate again. I love it. So you know what I'm hearing though? If uh, you were a Monica stand and I was a Brandy stand, I feel like you and I have to redo "The Boy Is Mine" uh, from each other's viewpoints. <laughs> I 100 percent think we we should. <laughs> analyze that video shot for shot <laughs> oh i was gonna say redo it shot for shot. oh re- re- but, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what up bros what up bro and welcome to bro meets world when it's bro meets world your boy meets world fan cast i'm siege and I am TC. Okay, TC. What's up? Where you at? What's going on? Um, well, I just saw episode 20 of, Bro- of Boy Meets World season one, and um, I felt it was quite mediocre. What yeah. did you feel? I felt, oh, here's the thing. I thought it was mediocre. Um, I actually, I don't know if it's your influence or if it was just that mediocre of an episode, but I gave this episode a grade that even I was surprised with. Um, but yeah, it just, it does what it's supposed to do. It's a... It's a Boy Meets World episode without being too much of, like, the uh, TGIF that we got a few weeks ago. Oh, I I actually, I I feel like this episode is one of those, like, stories, again, that I've seen on, like, three other TV shows. Oh, yeah, I've like, definitely seen Like, this exact that. plot of a boy being in the play. Like, I feel like this was on Fresh Prince. I feel like this was on uh, My Brother and Me. I feel like there was just multiple times in the 90s where, like, a guy had to wear tights, and he was like, I'm going to take a stand. Oh, yeah. All right. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I think this is definitely a trope. Um, the Shakespeare in class trope is overly done, and I think they didn't really do much outside of it but i looked at the episode as a whole and i was like as a whole with the uh family lesson you know the b storyline and everything i thought that was well done um question from listeners here we go uh do either of you currently work in the tv industry and if not do you mind sharing what career paths you have taken oh um i do not work in television i work in creative marketing 
um, it's not nearly as exciting. Exactly. So ironically, I do the exact same thing. Uh, That's uh, right. We do have the same job. That is so weird. Same job on the opposite side of the coast. Um, And I would agree with your assessment. It's not as flashy or as fun um, as it's made out to be. But I mean, we both still love television and most our bond is based on television. So to answer your question, uh, no, we are not in the TV industry, (laughs) even though you clearly can tell that we have a lot of thoughts on television. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, let's 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 uh, let's dive into that. uh, Okay. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. There you go. (laughs) All right. The tell me about it. This episode is Corey is given the lead role in school play. Accurate. Yep. Plain and simple. You don't really die. Like, it's, it's so funny because you're right. Because sometimes <laughs> they'll give like a paragraph, and other times this is a one sentence. Corey is in a play. I told that's, you, that's whatever intern show. got responsible this week was like, "Yo, it's cool." <laughs> yeah, it's there's real inconsistency. Hulu, Hulu, <laughs> clean it up a bit. Come on, guys. <laughs> okay, so uh, to start the episode, get it into it. Opening scene: We're in the classroom. Feeny comes in and he tells the kids that we're doing a school play. Um, of course, they groan, but you know he had did this little bit earlier where he's like, "Get your groans out now," because I know it's coming. So when they actually do groan, he's like, "Been." there done that let's move forward i groaned with them the moment i found out this was a shakespeare episode i was just like uh over it like immediately i was over it all right by the way i was gonna say do you remember doing shakespeare in class like i remember reading romeo and juliet but i don't think i've ever saw a production of it yeah it's funny that he said like hey for our class play because one, there was only people in his class. So did, did they make up the entirety of the sixth grade class? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, we read excerpts from like the book, like our, our, our English book, but we didn't go into like a full thing, I don't think. Yeah. And you know what? That's not true. I, I, I played Macbeth in middle school, but that was like an extracurricular. That wasn't something that was part of class. You played Macbeth? Um, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. It was, I it was pretty cool. I just don't remember... Uh ever seen like a school production of a Shakespeare show but I mean maybe that was like me blocking it out I don't know <laughs> maybe but let me just say Brown Macbeth go kissing me middle school for getting cutting edge with that shit <laughs> yeah um okay so after they're complaining and everything he goes why don't you before you complain actually why don't you learn the play that I chose which is Hamlet we're gonna do Hamlet. well he sets it up like it's like this like this really edgy you know there's lots of murder and just like suspense and tension and all this before he tells them you know it's Hamlet and the kids don't seem to care regardless I mean yeah they don't I mean but again all, everything that he described is true about the story and I don't know if you've actually read Hamlet but it's actually a really good play like it's a really good story oh i mean yeah i've i've you know i've i've seen it portrayed on film like countless times um <laughs> it is shakespeare so i don't know like if any of you needed our recommendations like it's actually a pretty good story <laughs> yeah I, I think i think it's a pretty good one of his you know just taking our recommendation to brummie's world it's all right <laughs> all right so um, what's being call it the most famous like play in the history of literature and we're just like yeah it's all right yeah it's cool <laughs> i checked it out 
Um, all right. So, of course, whenever you do a school play, of course, roles are assigned. And Feeney has already come in. Instead of, like, making people audition like we would usually get, he has assigned roles. Um, I do. I do always think it's really interesting whenever they do, like, school plays on TV shows, how they give out the roles. And, and, and it, it did not disappoint me that Feeney gave roles based on the kids' personalities. Yes. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Well, yeah, I do like this episode because it does um we get a little bit more of george being a seasoned teacher so you know like expecting the groans and assigning people per their personalities and just the way that he deals with everything it's very much uh george being the feeny that we know and love i i have to say though i'm not a fan of him just assigning the lead role to a kid like that's a lot to put on Corey. obviously this kid can't even handle his schoolwork, and you're gonna give him a whole play <laughs> to memorize yeah see but i also i thought of it this way because whenever he does something like this i think about like how feeney must teach with someone like Corey in the classroom you know what i mean and so yeah. i feel that the the moment I saw it, not only does he describe uh, all his reasons for picking Corey, which we're going to get into in a second, but it, to me, it's also like, a, how do I get someone like Corey involved um, in this lesson plan and therefore not, you know, distract everyone else? In all fairness, I mean, I, we'll, we'll get into it, but Corey doesn't seem completely against that first, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay, so while we're uh, assigning roles, Sean's going to be a spirit carrier. Uh, Topang is going to be Ophelia. Uh, Minkus is going to be Polonius, uh, which... Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say that I thought Minkus was fantastic in this episode. Oh, yeah, Minkus, is, Minkus kills this episode. He does really, really well. Uh, again, I think it uh, is a testament to Lee Norris acting that we remember we know so much about minkus even though he's only in the first season and it's because of acting like this and i have to say like okay because obviously we're watching this show for the podcast but you know it's my it's my favorite show so i've been like watching a few episodes from future seasons and i'm like oh it's so sad that minkus isn't here yeah i'm actually probably gonna miss minkus a lot when we get into later episodes and you know what they do is they introduce so many new characters in the like the second season that they kind of gloss over minkus and it's 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 just such a shame that he didn't get like a proper goodbye even like we, he was just there one episode and then gone the next oh uh, yeah uh, so a little mink mink gonna miss you when we when we finally move on but okay so minkus is polonius and he of course has already known about the play and he's already complaining about lines. He's like Polonius only has like a, a like 44 four lines in the show. Like he memorized how many lines each character has. Exactly. And uh he thinks that he's someone uh he should play someone more like Hamlet, that the titular character. And um Feeney is like, I already have someone in mind for Hamlet. Because you see, Hamlet gets on a lot of people's nerves, and he makes one mistake after another, and for five scenes, he just never shuts up. Um, and then this is a good fun bit of the entire class looking at Corey. Corey's responses, he looks up, sees everyone staring at him, and goes, uh, what, do I got a booger? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he wasn't paying attention, because of course that is Corey. Also, a good booger joke reminds you of the age demographic that they're shooting for with the show. <laughs> <That's very laughs> you don't get a lot of booger jokes in Friends. You, know? you don't get a lot of booger jokes in Friends. There are some I immediately thought of a few, but like you don't get a lot. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's one of those you don't want to pull out too often. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Um, theme song. Yeah, listening to it again, it has a really weird. Like, I don't know what style of music to describe the theme song as. You know what I mean? Like, if I had to, like, say that, like, describe it to someone who's ever heard it, again, like a video game, but, like, it also has, like, this kind of, like, marching band kind of vibe to it at points. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's you're weird. right. It's a, it's a, but I think that kind of, we've overanalyzed this theme song, like, a thousand times. I've, I've heard it 20 times. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking about it. It does, it, the thing is, it switches halfway through from, like, this. It does. To, like, this uh, school band. And then it, and there's a third act to the song as well. And you're like, what, what's what's all this? It's like if a marching band did a video game-themed, like, show, it would be this theme song. Yeah, but you would think that that one theme song was from three different shows. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's Mario's level one, two, and three. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, moving on, opening scene. Uh, after the credits, Corey is practicing mini golf um, because apparently the Matthews family has a Jersey Shore tradition of playing mini golf. Um, the teens are. Which, by the way, being a kid who was born in the Jersey Shore and who grew up there for a period of time, I was very like fangirling out. Than when I originally saw this episode, that they oh, were really? talking about Jersey Shore, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, as a kid, I was just like, "Oh, they're talking about Jersey." <laughs> <laughs> See, and for me, uh, Jersey Shore is nothing but Snooky and the situation. So I was like, "Okay." Well, I mean, it it still works. It still works. <laughs> By the way, mini golf is always that thing that's a better idea than it is like an actual thing. Can oh, we yeah. agree on that? Yeah, almost always. I think like I've been. You're right. It's like a thing where everyone's like, we should go mini golf. And then you go and you're like, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. You're like on like hole 12 and you're just like, at least in Florida, we're just like sweating. We're just like, oh, do you guys want to go inside somewhere? Like, have a drink? <laughs> like, it just, it gets old, I think. It's, it especially does when old. you do that, like, hey, do you guys want to do the, the 12 hole or the 18 hole? Let's do the 18. Let's do the 18. 18 is too many, guys. Many. <laughs> well, I don't think, I'm trying to think of the last time I went. I haven't gone in like legit forever. For good reason. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's not fun. It's you know what? Why even analyze it any more than that? Okay, that's why you need so many distractions when you go mini golfing because you need to look at dinosaurs and pirates and shit to distract from the fact that you're just shooting a, a ball into a small hole. Like there's nothing else to it. I'm not gonna lie. I wonder what it would be like to play either drunk or high. Or maybe both. Dry. All right, well, I'm going to be in L.A. next month, so we can arrange for this, yes? Oh, my God. Drunk mini golf? That would oh. be awesome. <laughs> or we would quit halfway through and just like... Yeah, or we'd just be like, yeah, let's just go drink some more. Yeah, exactly. Why are we doing this? Again, halfway at like... Yeah, halfway time. through. Why did we decide to... I don't know. It's, it's honestly, no I think bowling's kind of the same way for me, too. No, See, I will disagree. Bowling... You know what? Hold on. So I just went bowling for a friend's birthday party. And it was fun for the first half, right? I was going to say, I was like, no, I enjoyed it. But you're right. The first half, I think that first game, and then everyone's like, let's play another game. And then by the second game, everyone's you're like, over it. Yeah. No one's having, it's just, it's yeah. Whatever. People don't even care about the, they're just throwing the ball all willy nilly down the lane. No, no one cares. For exactly. The so and there's I always think, that one guy who's just like trying to get the high score, who's just exactly. being kind of a dick about it. <laughs> so I think what we've learned from this, uh, the, the lesson of today is the lesson. 
that only do the 12 round of holes where you do mini golf and only play one game of bowling when you bowl. I, I think everyone's better off for that knowledge. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, so the teams are in the Matthews family, Corey and dad versus mom and Eric. Which uh, I found very revealing. Yeah, I told you. I told you. Alan and Corey are like, like Alan. Sorry. Corey is Alan's favorite. <laughs> it's just. Well, I think it's funny because I feel like in the same way that Corey's kind of the lead character to Eric being kind of a side character. Alan is the lead character to Amy being the side character, which I don't like. I don't yes, agree with, but I that's agree. the way they paired it up. So that Alan is is the leader of the household and Corey's almost the leader of the children. And that's why they're constantly being paired up together. No, I agree. I think that I always look back at like the time that we are talking about. Because I don't think it would be that way now. If they like did it again, we would have like a good amount of time with Amy and um, Morgan and Amy and Eric. Like, I just feel like there would be like a good balance of seeing what's going on with those other characters. Whereas right now we only focus on Corey and dad mostly. And it's funny. I, I, again, I feel like once the show starts moving on to like their friends and high school and things like that, like Amy falls even further like behind as far as character development. And it's really sad because like, she's awesome. She's one of my favorite characters. Honestly, yeah. I mean, we're going to get into it, but this is another episode where Amy just, she she's a better parent. She's such a better parent. And like, I, she's so well thought out. <laughs> and I like, I want to know more about her. I want to know what, you know, what she's doing. Uh, Cause we know what Alan's doing. He's pretty much one note almost. Well, Alan did get some dimension. Let's let's move on. Let's okay. move on. Let's get into it. <laughs> um, but while Corey's practicing and he's with Morgan and she gets a little cute scene, uh, Eric comes in to borrow money from Corey. And Corey's like, aren't you the one with the job? Yeah, and that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, and then that's when they find out that they've cut Eric's pay by 5%. Um, so because of that, and I was like, uh, that's interesting, but, you know, whatever. Because of that, he is asking Corey for money. He's like, Corey, you're like the closest person to me. You're like a brother to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to sweet talk his way into some money. And I just love that Corey's like, a, um, your name is. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been at a job where they cut your pay back? Ever? No, that's why I was weird. I mean, but like this is a chain. And so I feel like that happens to people. Like I don't, I don't want to talk from like a very privileged place and be like, this is ridiculous and un, unbelievable. Like, yeah, really no, I guess I just, I never heard. Like, I heard that people like obviously like not getting raises and like there being layoffs. But as far as just like taking away someone's salary or their wages, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Just again, I I don't know. And if it is, especially because I imagine Eric was making minimum wage anyway, right? Exactly. Well, no, I mean, usually um, not always, but depending on the grocery store, like they'll pay a little bit more. But even then, it's just like a, I think about it. And I'm like, I don't want to say that this is not impossible, obviously, because we, we don't want to offend someone who this actually happened to. But just I would believe that Eric got laid off before I would believe that everyone in the store's pay got cut by five percent. Yeah. And that would that even would make more sense to me. Um, but I don't know. I hope this isn't a thing that's still going on, because if it is, that's that's very crappy. 
We need more unions, guys, if this is the case. Yes. Uh, Let's make unions great again. I felt that coming, which is why I kind of paused. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so to kind of close this scene out, um, Eric's like, look, if you give me the money that I need, I'll throw the game for you, uh, and that way you and dad can win. Um, and then Corey is like, we don't need to, uh, we don't need your charity or something like that. And Eric makes a shot. Turns out he's really good. So, yeah, they will need that assistance. I, you know, it's funny. As this all was playing out where they were talking about, like, their teams or whatever, I was like, oh, what about Morgan? Like, she's old enough to be on, like, someone's team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whenever there's, like, a little kid like that, especially when you're playing, like, mini golf, like, there's always, like, all right, well, hey, Morgan, you can play and be a part of our team unofficially. Yeah. I, I think it's just, won't really matter. Or something. They, like, do the thing where it's, like, they let her just putt. And you know you go ahead of everyone, but like the real competitions between the the two teams. Like, at what point does she join a team, or does she not? Because there's not a third parent. Because apparently, <laughs> all the parents have their favorites picked out already. That's why she disappears. That, you know, honestly, that would that would make a lot more sense. <laughs> She's just like, screw this family. I, I hope you all disappear, and then just she just vanishes for two seasons. I made my family disappear. That's the dream. <laughs> next scene we are back in class and Corey's doing his whole to be or not to be thing uh and it's really funny because of course he does a little bit where he's like who wrote this garbage and it's shakespeare so that's supposed to be funny i mean it's again when you hear the to be or not to be you're just like uh could this be any more cliched I mean, yeah, it's it's a high school episode of a school play. I'm not not really surprised. Um, but then Corey is like, well, maybe we can improve the play and, you know, make it more like Die Hard or other action movies. He just keeps shouting out all these ideas uh, because apparently all Hamlet does is talk and heroes take action. I found it really interesting, um, the Die Hard reference, considering at least from the last episode with Stumpy's Revenge, I apologize, with Stumpy's Revenge, um, that they were like, oh, we don't let R-rated movies in this house. So he seems to know Die Hard. Is Die Hard R-rated? Of course it's a Die Hard is R-rated. Oh, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But see, I don't know. I like, I mean, of course, Stumpy's Revenge was a fictional movie. But like in this particular one, Die Hard is like still seen as a Christmas movie now. I think it was just one of those movies where you gave a pass because it was so awesome. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to I don't want to like get film geek on you, but Die Hard kind of changed the game as far as action movies go. Like, like probably the most popular action movie, like cause every other movie that came after Die Hard tried to be Die Hard. Like, Speed was Die Hard on a bus. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, like, all those different things where it was just, like, you know, an action hero fighting terrorists. And that was, like, all of our 90s Steven Seagal, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sly Stallone movies were basically Die Hard. So, I mean, I, I understand why it was mentioned in the public consciousness at the time. Um, it's just weird that Corey would reference it considering his parents apparently don't allow him to watch those kind of movies. That is true, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, you reminded me of... Have you ever seen... I can't can't remember what tv show it is but someone uh there's like a tv show or something where they mention uh that people should do a speed two uh revival but like on a bus and it's just like the funniest thing to me well i mean speed two cruise control the one that takes place on the cruise ship um is an awful movie and i think everyone should watch it because it's amazing all right so those are our wrecks um <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they said that uh, the Shakespeare play was okay, but they highly recommended Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to the episode. Um, while, like, Corey's, of course, complaining about all of the diehard action and everything, uh, Topanga enters in full costume, and she notes that, you know, Jedediah made it her father. And, I mean, she's looking kind of good, you know? This is a good, pretty Oh, good I, I mean, she looked cute. Yeah, I like her in this more than, than the bathing suit from the last episode. <laughs> Uh, it's way more appropriate for class, yes. especially. Um, and then she hands Corey his costume, which Jedediah also made. Um, but Corey points out that it's a, it's just a mini dress and some pantyhose. Uh, but Feeney responds that it's actually a doublet and tights, which, of course, we expected because you're doing Shakespeare. Um, and he kind of makes fun of it. And this is when he says something. There is a lot of this, like, machismo um, dialogue in this episode. Yeah, like, especially this part of the episode. I was like, bruh. Yeah, because he goes, uh, Topanga's like, was that a sexist comment? And he goes, that's what I was going for. And then later, Sean's like, don't listen. Sean's comment, honestly, what Sean's about to say, like, when he says it, I was just like, wow. Like, that just... Wow, I don't like that at all. Yeah, that's just, no. uh, yeah I was not a fan. Yeah, this is uh, when um, Sean responds, don't listen to her. Her dad sews. Like, what, what's, what, what is so wrong with a man sewing? I would love to learn how to sew. <laughs> I know, right? And that would totally be helpful in my daily life. But no, in reality, it, it just goes back to like the 90s and this whole uh, patriarchal idea that we had that men had to be tough and strong and Tim the Toolman Taylor type nonsense. Uh, um, bruh, over it. Um, you know what's really funny? When Sean says that comment, it seems like the audience is only half with him. When <laughs> like there's well, a few people I mean, who are like, Ooh. If the audience is half women, then yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan. But at the exact same time, I'm like, a, did you guys not watch Mr. Mom? I mean, like, hello, anyone can do these eggs. I mean, apparently they were watching Die Hard instead. So That's a very good who point. knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, after, you know, all the nonsense and macho talk, Corey decides that he's not going to do it. He's not going to wear the tights. He, this is where he draws the line and he quits. Just like Alfie quits the play in My Brother and Me when it's time for him to wear tights. I, again, I've seen this episode <laughs> over and over and over again. That is hilarious. Okay, um, in the next scene, Corey, it's like directly after Corey quits the play, and Corey's feeling himself a little bit. He's like, the, uh, the play is in a few weeks. And- no, he says the play is next week. Oh, like he, he quits the week before this play goes live. That's why he thought he had Feeney by the balls because he was like, well, Feeney will have to give in to my demands and allow me to shoot Uzis in the Shakespeare play <laughs> because he has no one to replace me. Yeah, exactly. But little does he know, enter Minkus. Minkus, of course, already has every line memorized. And uh, Minkus is just like, not only does he know it, but he is trying to be as method as possible. And I actually thought that um, this was actually really cute. And this was a great opportunity for Lee Norris to just really stand out because all of his stuff that he does as Shakespeare, whether it's like him bullshitting around or his actual performance at the end of the play, I, I was like, man, this kid's talented. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I really love th- This was another moment where I was like, Minkus is, is going to be really good this episode. 
And he also just, I think he really outshines, and maybe that's the reason why he's not in the, the rest of the show, because he does kind of outshine everyone else in the scenes that he's in. You think so? You think they got rid of him because, like, you're too good? I, I, don't, I don't know, but there is something, like, when Minkus is on the screen, it feels like we're in a different show for a while, where, like, he's the main character of whatever scene he's in. I, and, and maybe that's just because he commands so much of the, uh, of the camera when he's just so... I don't know. Uh, watchable. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I think they. I think at the time they didn't really know how to transition Minkus along with everyone else because when we really get into it, and again, I think that we'll have to have this conversation when we go into season two. But when we really get into it, everyone else's role kind of fits and meshes together while we're growing up but minkus if minkus would have stayed minkus he would have been like a completely different path yeah and it's just it, it just feels that um again like he he's a great character i love seeing him but he he takes away from the show it feels like i, I don't know and and maybe that's just the character that they wrote for him doesn't mature well as far as the vision they had for the show like it just didn't work with their season two dynamic yeah um but at least we got him here like every part that we're getting of him i'm enjoying yeah i would love to know the the real reason behind that but hmm. okay so on to the next scene Corey brags uh, about practicing and he's just like yo i've hit like 18 holes um but this uh, golf thing, I don't know why I phrased it like that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I really don't know why I phrased it like that. But um, that's when Eric tells him that the family tournament is canceled because not only did they cut uh, every, the staff by 5%, but they also cut Alan's pay. So the family can't afford to go to Jersey Shore. Yeah. Um Again, that 5% thing seems, especially for a manager, I questioned. But you know what? We've talked about this before, about how the Matthews are a family on the budget, and they're not as well off as their house would make them appear to be. And, you know, Alan's always, you know, you know, at least in the beginning of the season, this was a huge focus of the family, of them being really tight on cash. And so it was interesting that they brought that back in this way. Um but it's just again, it's hard to take them seriously as a couple that's struggling financially when their house is maybe the most beautiful house I've ever seen. Yeah, but I keep telling you, dude, that is because back then to buy a house or to mortgage a house was not hard. I know plenty of people who have houses that that you can get and they look decent. But at the yeah. same time, it's just like a that was a different market. It depended on the time, um, all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, again, again, it was it was nice that they're at least being consistent with that part of the show, because I don't feel like that continues as the series goes on. Yeah, that's a very good point. OK, um, so while so they decided that they're going to cut um, the Jersey Shore trip, they just can't afford it. So off of that, Corey goes inside and Corey's like a. There has to be something that Dad can do. Dad's the boss. He can do whatever he wants. So Corey approaches Alan, who already seems to have had like a long day, I want to say. He is a little bit more like a, yeah, what's going on? Because he, he kind of feels it coming. Well, Corey immediately enters the room and he's like, Dad, what's this about us not going to the Jersey Shore? And you could tell Alan was just like, yeah, like this happened. Like he was, he's, he seems 
embarrassed by that? Yeah, it's a very prideful thing. When your kid comes and is like, oh, why can't we afford to do the thing that we do every year? Yeah. Very, very hurtful to your pride uh, to be like, I can't afford it because my job cut my pay. That's not I I did feel bad for Alan in this episode. I have to say, just because at least for... I felt like Corey kind of was a little insensitive towards what Alan was going through. Obviously he's a, he's a 12 year old, so he would be. Yeah. Um, but I just, I felt that like Alan's Alan, like, I mean, we get to that scene where he's like up late at night. He can't sleep. He's just, this is obviously something that's rattling his cage. And it's, yeah. it doesn't seem like Corey helped the matter at all. I mean, which Corey doesn't, but I do think about that often. It was like, when you are a parent of a kid like this, it's gotta be hard. Uh, because, not only are you dealing with your own insecurities, but when you have a kid like Corey who just kind of speaks his mind and doesn't really think about <laughs> everything that's going on, I feel like you get hurt a lot. And I, well, I do have to say, I feel like this was a very relatable storyline, though. Yeah. Like, again, I can't think of a lot of other TV shows where this was something that went down. You know? Yeah, no, 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 I'm not disagreeing. And like, I don't know. I I feel like everyone had that that one Christmas where your mom was just like, or your parents are just like, hey, things are going to be a little smaller this Christmas than usual. Like everyone goes through that that season in life where things get tight financially. Yeah. Um, and it was nice that they were able to show that on on the show. Yeah. No, I I agree. Uh, especially again since we. Uh, kind of dealt with Sean's financial problems not too long ago. So to see that the Matthews aren't that far off um, or just to have that reminder is it's very welcoming. And I mean, now in this season, it does feel like Corey and Sean's economic status isn't so far apart. Like we've established that they make a very similar allowance. Um, Sean, even though he lives in the trailer, he lives fairly close by that they can ride their bikes and walk back and forth. Um, but in the future, like in the other, in the, as the season go on, they make it seem like it's a huge, like financial, like uh, separation between the two. Um, and I just, I want us to pay attention to that as the show progresses, because I feel like there's like, I'm thinking of a Thanksgiving episode specifically where there's like a huge class difference between the, the Matthews and um, the hunters. And it's just, I, I want us to just keep an eye on that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so Corey comes in and he's just like, there must be something that Alan can do. And while he's saying that, Amy, this is what I I like to add. He's like, there's got to be something that you can do. And Amy's like, well, what do you think he should do? Which is a great way to like deflect it and get a little bit of pressure off Alan, but then also like see what exactly Corey even has in mind. And yeah, and his his his, his suggestion is to quit if he, he doesn't get his money back. <laughs> exactly, he's just like, yo, you should just quit. Throw a little weight around; it feels good, and it's just like, a, okay. But that again, it allows Corey to feel like he's contributing and all this other stuff. But it also lets the parents just be like, he's ridiculous; he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's just—it's just that thing of just like him being a kid. Like yeah. he's just a kid who just—he's not thinking about things long term. Obviously, he just wants to go on vacation to freaking Atlantic City, which I—I I mean, I don't get me wrong, love the Jersey Shore, but you're okay missing it for a year, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, I just—I really liked the, her approach to it again because it kind of like distracts Corey a little bit and just gives Alan a little bit of relief from having to explain himself. Although. Sure, sure. In the next scene, we see that Corey's words have really weighed on Alan because Alan. Yeah, because we cut to the kitchen. Yeah. And it's like night, it's like the middle of the night, which this is the first time we're seeing Alan up in the middle of the night like that, like, like worried, like as a parent, like worried. 
about his his future or just the house and things like because the only time we've ever seen them at night like that is when he woke up Corey for that baseball game exactly no i agree and uh we we see alan as he is which is a a middle-aged man who has a job that allows him to pay his bills but things are getting tight and he has three kids and i really just like this moment of for me, you know, being a little bit older, I think I relate to it and understand it a little bit more. Um, so it is it is good to see. Well, and I think, too, like one of the lessons that we as, you know, 30 year olds can take away from this is just that idea of when you're at a job that isn't something that you're really liking, it isn't quite working out the way you thought it would. And that like, oh, should I quit? Should I try something else? Should I just stick with this? Like, I feel like those are questions that we're constantly asking ourselves. I completely agree. Okay, so Amy comes down and she sees Alan and Alan's just like, do you think I'm a spirit carrier? Which she responds, I gotta lie. The trick to raising a 12 year old is to ignore them. (laughs) Did you find it odd that they knew what the spirit carrier thing was without it being explained? I feel like Corey is, we've talked, they're very involved in Corey's uh, schoolwork and the fact that he's doing a play makes complete sense that they would understand the analogy. Yeah. Hmm. That's At least that's how I thought. I completely excused it because I had that thought but I was like, no, they're heavily involved with uh, at least Corey's schoolwork we know for sure. So I think they got it almost immediately. Yeah, they don't seem to be paying attention to Eric's work at all. (laughs) Well, Eric only has one thing on his mind so they're like, he's easy and then they are spending time with Morgan constantly so I think it's fine. They they support Corey to be a good student. They support Eric to go out there and crush puss, and then they support <laughs> Morgan to play with dolls and like pretty stuff. Like the attention they're giving to these kids is all over the place, <laughs> which we hit on before. Alan feels weak. You could tell that as we everything that we just discussed earlier, he's a little lost. He doesn't really know if he is coming off as powerful as he wants to. Um, and he's starting to ask himself, you know, is, maybe, should he be behaving differently? Well, and I think he's trying to psych himself up to talk to his boss. Like um, Corey was like, just go to your boss and demand more money. And if he doesn't like it, like if he doesn't go along with it, quit. And now he's like, should I go talk to my boss? Like, should how how should I play this? And I feel like Amy comes down and she does a really good job at talking him through it, at least, you know, to a point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, it's funny because what she does is he, uh, she's like, well, I know what you're going to do. We both know what you're going to do. He's like, you don't know. And she's like, well, you're going to talk to Bob, who's his boss. And he's like, all right, well, maybe I'm going to talk to Bob. And she's like, all right, well, off of that, what are you going to say? I want you to practice what you're going to say because apparently Alan has like a really hot head when it comes to Bob and so with that, she grabs, which I never would have guessed from Alan's that, like behavior that he would be someone who would be like someone uh, with an anger problem. I, I disagree. I think everything we've learned about him so far kind of would imply that like Alan is definitely the type of person who when told what to do. I mean, we know he's a Sean, a reformed Sean. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just yeah. With his whole like being the second best boxer in his weight class like he just has a really interesting i would like to there's some gaps in his backstory that need to be filled in for me uh boy meets world prequel where we get amy meets alan yes can we (laughs) please get a prequel (laughs) i would love that you get this like young boxer kid who uh meets and it's just like a baby eric and they're just trying to figure things out and like feeny is like a bigger part of it and oh man oh god i would actually love 
Yeah. <laughs> Start writing it now. Okay. So um, while they're doing it, he goes and he practices what he's going to say. And he's, as Amy describes it, he's uh, calm, succinct, and rational uh, when he's doing so. Um, and it's really funny because even while he's doing so, we're studying Hamlet and Alan gets his own little Hamlet moment while he's holding the cantaloupe like Hamlet would the skull. It's, it's a nice little uh, mirroring. Ooh. You know what? I did not put two and two together. That is a really good note. Oh, you didn't notice that? Yeah, I completely. Yo, no, now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, of course. But like at the time, I guess I just I thought like, oh, look at them talking to this melon. This is silly. But no, (laughs) okay, you're you're making it make sense for me. Yeah, yeah. uh, That's what I saw. So uh, with that, uh, the whole calm, succinct, irrational bit, Amy's like, hmm, suddenly I'm not attracted to you, which is like a little joke. But it's also I think it does read into Amy and Alan's whole uh, she likes a bad boy, even though, you know, Alan's not that bad of a bad boy type. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing that like kind of works with their marriage though like and back in the day he was a bad boy and amy really liked it like liked it too much you know what i mean boom boom (laughs) boom 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 like that bad boy (laughs) exactly so um amy goes upstairs completely happy with uh the way that alan is a seeming to approach this and now that uh amy's gone Alan's completely talking to the melon, who is quote unquote Bob, uh, and he throws it on the floor, exploding it, and he just leaves it there. <laughs> he he throws a full melon, he slams it on the ground, it busts open, it's it's nighttime, and then he just walks upstairs. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that really, really bothered me, uh, sorry, have you ever seen Archer? Have I ever shown you Archer? I've seen episodes. I haven't I haven't watched it like through and through. No, so it's fine. In the first episode of Archer, there's like a big running bit about leaving food out because that's how you get ants. And like that's all I can think of. Do you want ants? Because that's oh how you yeah get yeah ants. that's that's you're gonna get you're gonna get ants. You'll get cockroaches if you just do some shit. But this the thing that bothered me about this was that I'm assuming he's expecting someone else to clean this up. Yes. Alan doesn't do shit around this house. He doesn't do anything but sulk about not paying the bills or whatever. But he needs to get his act together because Amy should not have to come downstairs and clean that up. That is what's really, like, later on in the episode, she even talks about when she discovered the melon in the morning. And you're like, so you literally left that there for your wife to pick All night. (laughs) All night. You'll get it. (laughs) I just, I really, like, I I know that they have, like, a a really seemingly good partnership, and Amy seems okay with their dynamic, but there's times where I'm just like, Alan, you need to do something, because, I mean, even if Amy is, like, a a work part-time and stay-at-home mom or whatever, um, I mean, don't make it harder for her. Jesus, I'm sure I'm just rambling. Let's move on. So in the next scene, uh, we see Sean, like, this huge, big get-up, which is really fun, and he is now Polonius, because since Corey left, Feeney had to uh, shuffle around all the other roles. Uh, So he's Polonius now, which Corey says he looks like Bolonius. Just cute little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I did think this was really interesting that Sean, uh, like at least from the last scene we saw where he couldn't give a shit about the play, he's now really, he's, he's into it. He's excited about it. I think maybe it's just him having a better character or something, but he's into the play now. Well, yeah, I think honestly the point of the whole storyline is to show that everyone kind of wrote it off in the beginning but the kids are actually getting involved and they're enjoying themselves uh and Corey, by demanding so much in the beginning actually just 
ended up hurting himself. I think that's the point of it. It's just like, because it's not, as we see, it's not just Sean who's like into his character. Everyone's kind of really enjoying their roles and Corey's almost just ambling around with nothing to do. Yeah, because everyone's at the practice for this play. Like he doesn't even have Sean to play basketball with or whatever he talks talks to them about in the hallway. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we also get a little fun bit of Sean excited to die. He talks about his favorite part, uh, and he does this overdramatic uh, death scene, which is really fun. And he says it's Feeney's favorite scene as well, kind of implying that Feeney's excited to see uh, Sean Sean die. Yeah. <laughs> so he asked. Um, how Minkus is doing now that Minkus is fulfilling the role. And to be honest, Minkus isn't doing that well. He says that Minkus is bad, but Feeney's never going to back down. Um, and he kind of asked Corey to come back to it. But Corey says that yesterday you were praising me uh, for quitting. And if it's so bad, why don't you quit? To which Sean replies that he has people counting on him, which we kind of saw coming. Um, but his dad is coming to see him in this play and, even yeah, and I, I, how big of a deal that is. Yeah, and I, I mean, even though we haven't been introduced to Sean's dad yet, um, we have been introduced to him as far as just like the way Sean speaks of him um, throughout the series to the point where we can understand that this is a big deal if his dad is coming. Yeah, exactly. It's a well, Corey sees the way to him. He's like, yo, your dad's taking off work to come see you die on stage. And Sean's like, yeah, apparently seeing me die is something everyone wants to do. And I did. Um, I mean, the whole like when Sean says, yeah, people are counting on me. That's the lesson of the episode. Like I noticed. I don't know if you noticed it, but like during the transition of scenes, you get like this little Shakespeare music. Like I, I can't remember what the instrument's actually called, but it's all very Renaissance and Shakespearean fair ground type but still sounding like boy meets world exactly <laughs> i just thought it was like a cool note i was like oh they even did it for that so anyway um we get to see minka's actually performing and i was like it's way worse than they even described minka's is a method actor he's so it's it's he's basically turned into daniel day lewis and then he has nothing but ridiculous ideas that he's trying to throw into the character he's as bad as Corey in a way like and Corey, of course wanted to add uzis but Minkus wants to sound like Forrest Gump in this point. So. <laughs> exactly, because just everything. He can't see. He's not wearing his glasses because apparently they didn't have glasses back then, so he doesn't want to wear them. And he tries to do a hillbilly accent because of the research that he's done that says that a hillbilly accent is very similar to how Shakespearean times would have sounded or something like that. I don't know. Well, then he talks about doing a Danish accent for a while. He's just really all over the place. With because it's from characters. Denmark. And he, <laughs> Ernest goes to Denmark, which I thought was a really fun little reference. And I just I do think it's interesting that, you know, Feeney hired Minkus, I guess, to replace Corey for his bad ideas. But again, nothing but terrible ideas for Minkus. <laughs> well, no, he he didn't do that. He... Feeney was even working with Corey. Like, Corey was complaining, but Feeney was working with him. Yeah, yeah, I guess Corey you're right. Quit. Yeah. Corey was yeah. the one who quit. And I think, again, Feeney knows how this is going to go. He gave the roles out for a reason, and he's also a teacher. He's been doing this for years. It was Corey who left, and because he left, everything had to adjust. Um, because what we get after this scene of Minkus um, kind of all over the place is Corey and Feeney just talking and Corey asks Feeney, how's the play going? And Feeney's like, well, you see, you saw it. It's not going that well. And Corey's like, when I quit, I didn't think it would 
so many people would be affected. And Feeney's like, me neither, to be honest. But even though Corey sees this and he's willing to come back as Hamlet, Feeney's like, I already have my Hamlet. Which I loved. I love that he didn't give Corey that part in the same way that I love um, when Eric quit the grocery store to become a model. Alan didn't give him his original job back. Like he gave him a different job that was a little shittier Um, just for just teaching these kids that like all of their actions have consequences. And it's not just say, hey, I'm sorry. And everything goes back to normal. Yeah, I definitely, definitely love when that happens. Um, But then even with that, Corey hasn't quite gotten it just yet, because what Corey does is he's like, you know, First of all, Feeney offers him a smaller part uh, as because he has an opening for a spear carrier. And Corey's like, you know, it's kind of a small part. And Feeney says, there's no small parts, only small actors. And Corey's like, why couldn't you pick something cooler? You know, things that I could do and have fun with and that's more action movies. And then this is when Feeney says that, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I thought you would relate and he turns off all the lights and he immediately is doing uh, a bit of Hamlet uh, in the dark for Corey. It's a beautiful monologue that William William Daniels does. Um, he, he just uh, and I, I think you wrote the note about him being just amazing in the scene. And he really is like when I saw it, I was just like, wow, like he's too good for the show. Yeah, well, honestly, I think what it was is, especially when you watch Boy Meets World or when you have any character uh, in mind, you forget that it is played by an actor who, especially when it's someone like William Daniels, they have like an entire career that they've been doing this for. And William Daniels is just a talented actor in general. Yeah. So to see him do this little bit, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Dude's like legit. (laughs) He's experienced. He's a seasoned actor. And we are just lucky enough he accepted this role. That's what I saw when I saw this. Yeah, for sure. And like how cool for the kids to have an actor of that caliber, too. Like I'm sure it just improved their game all around. Yeah, I can't imagine how much they learned because like, again, the kids almost have natural talent. So when you pair that with like Feeney's experience or William Daniels experience, sorry, I wonder, um, I, I do wonder a lot of things. I wonder what they learned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, if there's any of the cast listening, please reach out to us at Brummie's world. And let us know. <laughs> that means you Minkus. We're looking at you, Lee Daniels. Lee Norris. Lee, Lee Daniels. Lee Norris. Is How are you going to call out Lee Daniels? <laughs> I'm calling out Lee Daniels. I know he's listening, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next scene. Eric tells Corey that dad is meeting with the, their big boss because Corey comes home from school. And this is when Corey's, like, panicking because he's kind of learned his lesson right now about what happens when you challenge authority with no real backup plan. And he's like, yo, dad could lose his job, which, of course, everyone else already thought of. But Corey's just now coming to the realization of. Um, and then when he goes to, like, stop Alan, Alan comes home and he's like i've already spoken to my boss eric asked if he got his money back and the answer is no or at least so it seems i will have to say that if alan just gave this the speech that he told amy he was going to give before he started throwing melons all over the kitchen i would have felt that was a perfectly acceptable way to handle the situation like he didn't seem like he was going to do anything that would cause him to lose his job until amy left and he was like i want to smash this guy's skull into the floor yeah no Um, i I don't agree but i think the point of i mean because we don't even get the resolution that we want it's not like alan came back and he was like actually everyone got a 10 percent raise or anything like that uh the answer is no 
And yeah. I think this is another one of those things where it's like it's just the reality of it. So the reality of the situation is by Alan simply even talking to his boss, he in fact could have been replaced. Whether or not he came with a reasonable reason or um, if he just went in there. Of course, one is more likely than the other. But yeah, I don't think it really mattered how he approached the situation. It was the mere fact that he was challenging authority that put yeah. him at risk. But yeah, so on that, uh, Corey realizes, again, just how risky it was for his dad to challenge authority. And he says, you know, being a lead in a play is a lot like being a dad. And everyone's like, uh, uh, all right, explain yourself. He's like, all right, fine, it doesn't. But in general, people depend on you and the decisions that you make when you are in charge um, affect more than just yourself. Corey just learned the lesson, guys. Yay. So, of course, with that, a little bit of knowledge and the dad and son back and forth. Um, Morgan says something like, I'm ready. And when she says it, Amy's like, well, no, not yet. And she goes upstairs and Corey's like, ready for what? And this is when Alan, this is where we get, <laughs> I guess, where Corey gets it from. Alan's like, oh, you know, women, they're always starting stuff. And I'm just like, what is what is with it this episode? Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, and again, you're right. It's a sign of the times. Uh, Home Improvement was like the number one show on television. Like, we can't ignore what 1993, 1994 was on television. But exactly. for the purpose of this podcast, not cool, guys. No, it's not cool at all. So on this, um, this is when Corey, of course, does his little amends. And he tells Alan that he's sorry for getting on his case about Jersey Shore. And if he's honest, he didn't really like Goofy Golf at all. And of course, when he says that, we find out that the family has set up Goofy Golf in the backyard. Uh, I thought this was really cute. It is really cute. But this is, again, I think when I saw this, my first thought was... They did all of this essentially for Corey because no one else really seemed to care and like not doing it as a tradition would have been like sad. But like Corey was the one who was like, no, you have to do something. You have to save it. Um, he was really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're right. Like not, like Morgan and Eric don't seem to really give a shit that they're not going to the putt putt. And it's like, well, why don't you just go to mini golf somewhere in Philadelphia? Philadelphia, like, why don't you just do a smaller version? Like, why go through the whole trouble of setting up your backyard? Yeah, but I was like, I was like, they did all this for Corey. But I also thought that this is another way of we talked about how, at least in the beginning or earlier in the season, Corey gets overlooked. So I feel that maybe this was one of their ways of like really showing that they were listening to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. But no, I just you're right. Like. Because he's really the only one who benefits from this, they could have done something else. But, you know, for the purpose of the story, it was cute. Yeah, it is cute. But, like, again, as an adult, I just looked at this entire set. And I was like, how many hours did you spend building this? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, the time and effort that they put into this, geez, just take the kid to a movie. Like, he's a kid. But Whatever. maybe that's because we're of a less hands-on generation. Like, maybe Alan did find this therapeutic and really enjoyed it. I don't know. I take him to the bat, like batting cages. Like there's <laughs> other things you could have done to make this. Like I don't know. I'm just this is yeah, a lot with for, a, for a 12 year old. This to was my feel happy. My kid is definitely just. You know what? Let's rent Stumpy's Revenge. <laughs> yeah, he would love it. That's that's three dollars at Blockbuster. You're you're set. <laughs> okay, so on this. Um, 
They go back and, of course, Alan tells Corey how it's all designed, that he made a little groove inside one of the things so that they they could have an advantage. Uh, and Alan, not Alan, Eric and Amy come outside. The whole family's ready. It, uh, Morgan has her little putt-putt. And Eric asks, are you guys ready to quit uh, or forfeit or something like that? And then that's when Alan looks at him and is like, do you want to quit? He's like, I never quit. Alan's like uh, cheaters, yes. No, cheaters, yes. He's yeah. like cheaters, yes. Quitters, no. I was like, this should be the white man slogan. <laughs> yeah. Do we cheat? Yeah. Yes, we do. Are we going to quit anytime soon? Not no at all. To. You're succeeding <laughs> while cheating. Why would you? It's <laughs> a very good point. All right. So, um, in our epilogue, we get to see the little scene, and Mink is being Hamlet. He's all over the place and loud. Corey's very pridefully playing the spirit carrier, uh, and the other spirit carrier is bored. He's kind of done with the role. Corey takes pride in his little position, and he's like, "Make it the part your own. There are no such thing as small roles." And that's when the other spirit carrier is like, "Okay," and he goes and he pops Sean's uh, bubble belly, and then that's when the entire play breaks out. Uh, into chaos and Corey kind of American gladiators everyone off the stage with his little spear. Yeah, the epilogue is essentially Corey ruining the play again. <laughs> well, to be fair, he didn't start ruining the play. He told the kid to make the part his own, and the kid took initiative and just. If Corey were playing basketball and put him on that stage, the play would have completed it as it was supposed to. That's a very good point. Not gonna lie, but I, I, again, I'm just not gonna blame him directly. This one was I, not his fault. I, I guess, but I just, I mean, Corey, you seem to ruin everything you touch. I'm just that out there. <laughs> Poor Corey. Okay, so on that, uh, let's get to grades. What are you giving this? D. Hard D. Hard D. Okay, see? Hard D. I still gave it a better grade than you, but I gave it a C. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not the last, the, the, the what was the episode that was really terrible? Um, the license, the license to drive episode. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, um, called "It's a Wonderful Night." Ironically, yeah. It, this is just it, again, it was just boring. I felt there was a lot of cliches. I don't feel like there was anything super memorable. Memorable about this. I don't feel that any of the characters really stood out, other than like Minkus had a few cute moments. But again, I if if you wanted some good Minkus moments, I would suggest a different episode than this one. So you agree? Yeah. All right. Feeny taught me. Feeny taught me. All right. What's the lesson? What are you getting from this? Um, uh, Just to when there's people counting on you, you have to kind of think through decisions before you make them. I think that's I think a great. The, the, I think that is the lesson. And I, I, I don't have anything else to add. I think it's just great. All right. And that is our episode. Thank you guys for listening to Brown Meets World. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Brown Meets World or email us at Brown Meets World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J-T-C. Um, you can find me in the kitchen cleaning up melon after Alan <laughs> left the damn mess. No, you can find me on Instagram, Braver Me. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, again, make sure you are giving us your questions, any feedback. I really appreciate everyone who's been messaging us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, remember to dream, try, and do good. Dream, try, and do good, guys. Later, bro. Later, bro. Later, bro.